there. <laughs> Apparently, I'm Paul. Just kidding. This is Ash. Taylor. And this is Des. And you're listening to Freaky Geeky, not the end credits of Jimmy Neutron. Um, <laughs> so, ah, there's a dog we on my lap. We got the pod dog here yeah. with us. Uh, so I know we haven't really done anything Friday lately, and of course this is gonna gonna, gonna, gonna come out. That's the remix <laughs> of what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, wow, sorry y'all. Yeah, this is gonna come out at the ass end of June, but that's fine because you know what? Pride. Uh, I mean, the big one of the big moments in Pride, I think, actually happened today that we're recording oh. at the ass end of June, and we're gonna cover that as we go through because I've decided. That I'm going to attempt to cover some of uh, Marsha P. Johnson. So, um, Marsha P. Johnson uh, was born on August 24th, 1945, as Malcolm Michaels Jr. And uh, <laughs> these two are trying to have a conversation behind my head and distracting me. Turn on the lamp. <laughs> okay, I think the lamp is on. So now that I can stop stumbling through this. Okay. So anyway, um, basically what's going to happen throughout this, there are different pronouns here. I'm going to use she, her, just because that's what they use in the documentary, um, which I will reference later because a lot of my notes came from that as well. Um, technically, Marsha was born Malcolm and he, him, because there was no such thing really as trans back when they were alive they didn't really have the option to choose you know if they were going to use right. they because that wasn't a thing back then i'm just explaining myself up front but i'm going to go ahead and use she her just because that's the people the way that people yeah they were close to address them oh, you're good. so anyway uh just a quick overview if you don't know who marcia p johnson is um she was a gay or uh, american gay uh liberation activist and self-identified drag queen uh, she was known as an outspoken activate, bleh, advocate for gay rights and uh, was one of the prominent figures in the Stonewall Uprising in 1969. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go more into this later, but I just figured, why not? Uh, so you know what you're getting into. So uh, she was also a founding member of the Gay Liberation Front and co-founded the radical activist group, which again, different time, was called Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or Star House, alongside uh, close friend Sylvia Rivera. Uh, and actually, the funny thing about that is Marsha said that she was more of um, like a vice president and that she gave full credit to Sylvia, which I just thought was really sweet and indicative of her character. Yeah. Um, she was also a popular figure in New York City's uh, gay and art scene, and eventually would go on to model for Andy Warhol. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the There was a series that was called... Um, oh, shit. I have got it down here somewhere. Uh, Men and Women. And it was actually uh, displayed. The funny thing is... Uh, I, forget, I forget where it was displayed. This was something I heard in passing. But uh, she and uh, one of her friends went to see the picture of her hanging. And actually got kicked out because... She was so much of a nobody that they kicked her out, even though her picture was hanging on the wall. What? Yeah. Um, and eventually she would go on to um, join a drag performance troupe called Hot Peaches. I like that. <laughs> Isn't that cute? I dig that. Uh, 
jo- uh, Johnson was known as quote the mayor of Christopher Street due to becoming a presence in the streets of streets of Greenwich Bil- Greenwich Village. Good God, Ashley. And uh, from 1987 to 1992, uh, she was an AIDS activist with ACT UP. And then the, this is just a quote from BlackRome.com. Uh, quote, today Johnson is remembered as one of the most significant activists for transgender rights, although the term transgender wasn't commonly used during her lifetime. Johnson identified as a, quote, transvestite, gay, and a drag queen, and you she, her pronouns. Uh, Johnson would say that the P initial in her name stood for pay it no mind. Oh. Which is what she would say in response to questions about her gender. Oh, wow. So, like, that's another one of those things where I'm like, I wanted to put that there just to have it, but, uh, I also just, she is queen. Uh, so anyway, like I said, she was born as Michael, Malcolm Michaels Jr. on August 24th, 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. We love a Jersey queen. We dig. We dig. Um, and apparently, I, I found two different things. One place I saw, oh, never mind. I'm reading it backwards. Um, <laughs> dirt. Malcolm was the fifth of seven children. Shoot. So, yeah. Um... Her father, Malcolm Michael Sr., uh, was an assembly line worker at General Motors. Her mother, Alberta Claiborne, was a housekeeper. They attended African African Methodist Episcopal Church. God, say that three times fast. It's a mouthful. (laughs) I deserved that struggle. Uh, During her childhood and remained a devoutly religious leader in life, often taking an interest in Catholicism. But also making offerings to saints in a personal manner and keeping a private altar at home. Uh, (laughs) Johnson first began wearing dresses at the age of five, but stopped temporarily due to harassment by boys who lived nearby. In a 1992 interview, Johnson described being the the young victim of trigger warning sexual assault by an adolescent boy. Um, And essentially that was... That was the trigger to stop because they would harass her because she was wearing dresses. Uh, after this, Johnson described the idea of being gay as, quote, some sort of dream rather than something that seemed possible. And so chose to remain sexually inactive until leaving for New York City at 17. Oh, wow. Like, this, her, her story is going to crush your little hearts. Oh. Um, Why have they got to be little? I don't know. <laughs> what I, I love how you accidentally did a like a drag race thing for a second because RuPaul is always like, "Why it gotta be black?" <laughs> that, was, that was an accident and it was perfect. Um. Anyway, where the hell was I? Okay, so yeah, uh, Johnson's mother reportedly said that being or hom- uh, being homosexual was quote or was like being quote lower than a dog. Oh God. Yeah. Well, I mean. We're in the 50s, baby. It ain't good. Uh, But Johnson said that Alberta was unaware of the LGBT community. Uh, After graduating Edison High School, now the Thomas A. Edison Center and Technical Academy in Elizabeth in 1963. Okay, never mind. Johnson left for New York City. Apparently, I wrote that twice. With $15 and a bag of clothes. That's all she took. Wow. Uh, She waited tables after moving to Greenwood. Is it Greenwick? It's Greenwick, right? Mm-hmm. Village in 1966. Well, it looks like Greenwich, like a sandwich when you read it. Uh, so I was like, I knew that until I read it. That makes sense. Um, after Johnson became uh, began hanging out with the street hustlers near Howard Johnson's at 6th Avenue and 8th Street, specifically, 
uh, Johnson's life changed. Johnson came out and said, quote, my life has been built around sex and gay liberation and being a drag queen and sex work. <laughs> um, so Johnson initially used the moniker Black Marsha, but later decided on the drag name uh, Marsha P. Johnson, getting Johnson from the restaurant Howard Johnson's on 42nd Street. And of course, noting for the, the P said, pay it no mind. Yes. Uh, apparently, she once actually said it to a judge who was amused by it, leading to Johnson's release. Like, she got out of jail because she was sassy with the judge. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know if I have this in my notes or not, but apparently uh, she would tell people that she didn't un- she didn't know how many times she'd gotten arrested. She stopped counting after the hundredth time. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a quote. Um, do watching any of her interviews, I encourage anyone, if you don't have the time to watch the the I think it's called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix, at the very least, look up some videos of her. She is phenomenal. Uh, anyway, so Johnson variably identified as gay, tra- blah, 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 transvestite, and as drag queen. According to Susan Stryker, a tra- professor of human gender and sexuality studies at the University of Arizona, Johnson's gender expression could perhaps most accurately be called gender nonconforming. Um, this was just I found interesting. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she never identified with the term transgender. Uh, but, of course, that wasn't really something that people would use at the time. Uh, Johnson's style of drag was not considered, quote, high drag or show drag due to being unable to afford uh, to purchase clothing from expensive stores. But that doesn't stop her from being cute as shit. Like, one of her main things was, like, making flower crowns and wearing them around. Love that. Aww. Like, she is precious. <clears throat> Basically just making cheap clothes high fashion. Like, right. stunna. Um... Yeah, apparently she actually received leftover flowers after sleeping under tables used for sorting flowers in the flower district. That's a, I said flower a lot of Manhattan and was known for wearing crowns of fresh flowers. Okay, sorry. I jumped ahead of my own notes because I got excited. Uh, she was tall, slender, and often dressed in flowing robes and shiny dresses and red plastic high heels. I love it. And bright wigs, which tended to draw attention. <laughs> well, like for me... This, like, sings to my heart because my mom's first cousin, my, he's my second cousin, she, I apologize, she's my second cousin, um, grew up in the 60s, 70s mm-hmm. um, as a <clears throat> gay man and now identifies as a woman. And um, shout out to Vivian. <laughs> um, hey, Vivian. <laughs> my cousin Vivian is the shit. Um I high like it sings to me because she wrote a book um, that I highly suggest reading. It's called Tango: My Life Backwards and in High Heels. Love that. Um, my mom is actually mentioned in the book ah. um, because he does. She discussed growing up as a gay man and the transition and like living in that. a religious household and um, had a lot of insight into what it was like growing up back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book was so good and, um, my mom talks to me all the time about their life like their childhood life mm-hmm. together. Like we all, yep, that's it. Um, but that, yeah, on the front cover, that's my, my cousin. Um, uh, for those who 
can't see us because it's not a visual medium, uh, Dennis just pulled out the book on Amazon. <laughs> yes. But it's it's really good. Um, but it's like it gives that glimpse into what it was like back then before the you know, it's twenty twenty one. You know, everyone's about pride and being prideful and, you know, accepting and I can't imagine. Well, and that was one of my big things too, is like I know we're in Pride Month and I worked on this. Believe it or not, I've been working on it in bits and pieces all month, but Marsha's story is one of the most important. Oh, not, I mean, every every story is important. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. That's not right. what I mean. Yeah. But like, she is one of our founding sisters. Yes, founding I mean, mothers. Sorry, I, I fucked up. I know for sure. Like, um, Marsha was a big like inspiration to mm -hmm. my cousin. Oh like, yeah, you know, it's it's an mm -hmm. amazing thing when they can all band together and then you look back in that time in history and just the pure shit yep. that was everyone was so close-minded and it's just like just look at where we are now and that marcia p johnson was a huge part of that yes queen and i love that oops sorry i almost oh, whacked good. you with the microphone Please don't that would have been a fun thunk uh so anyway um uh about plastic heels bright wigs yes um <laughs> As Edmund White writes in his 1979 Village Voice article, quote, the politics of drag, uh, she also liked dressing in ways that would display, quote, the in interstice, interstice between masculine and feminine. I'm smart, I swear. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, a feature photo of Johnson in this article shows uh, shows her wearing a flower a flower wig and uh, flowering wig and makeup. And a translucent shirt, pants, and parka, highlighting the ways that, uh, quoting Kate Millett's sexual politics, White says, quote, she is both masculine and feminine at once. Because we needed a lot of sources to say that someone is androgynous. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, sorry, I'm like kind of reading through this like, what was I doing? Uh, there's some existing footage of her in full glamorous high drag on stage, but most of her performance work was more grassroots, comedic, and political. Uh, she sang and performed as a member of Jay Kamika's international New York-based drag performance troupe Hot Peaches from 72 through shows in the 90s. When the Cockettes... Cockettes, <laughs> huh? Love that. <laughs> the Cockettes, a similar drag troupe from San Francisco... Uh, formed an East Coast troupe, the Angels of Light. Uh, she also uh, was asked to perform with them. So in 1973, she performed the role of, quote, the Gypsy Queen in the Angels production The Enchanted Miracle about the comic Kahootik. Oh, okay. Uh, in 75, there we go, uh, Johnson was photographed by famed artist Andy Warhol in a, as a part of Gentlemen's and Ladies series of Polaroids. Uh, in 1990, she actually got to perform with Hot Peaches in London. So this what? was an international troupe. Love that. Uh, she also became an AIDS activist. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, anyway. She was a uh, yeah, big AIDS activist. Uh, sang the song Love while wearing an act up silence equals death button. So like she was a big, obviously. A huge advocate. Yeah. Uh, and if that weren't enough, we're going to get to Stonewall. So, which by the way, I looked it up and they did start. They started today. What the riots? Oh yeah, they, start today they started today. Yep, June twenty eighth. Ended the uh, July third. 
Well, there we go. We're right the fuck on time then because yeah. we're recording day of. So suck it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who I'm being aggressive to. Probably myself. Um, so anyway. So apparently uh, Marsha was one of the first drag queens to actually go into the Stonewall Inn. Uh, a bar that would eventually become an iconic uh, name in gay rights. Marsha said, quote, When I first came into, into the Stonewall, I was the only drag queen there just about. I said, Honey, do you think I'm a boy or a girl? They didn't answer, so I decided to go in because it was an all-men's bar. <laughs> I'll tell That's you. That's great. Fucking queen. Queen did not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like that clip, she's just laughing. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I love her quotes. Uh, so this is where it gets fun. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure y'all know, but, uh, for the listeners who don't, Stonewall was run by the mafia at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, New York, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, the mafia was the one that, ones that paid the cops to like, quote unquote, look the other way because being gay was illegal at the time. Which it just, it gives me chills every time I hear that. Like, Ugh. being gay was illegal. Like, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Can you imagine saying... Fury I'm, bumps. Like, going into a jail and be like, what are you in for? I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, And even dressing in drag was illegal because if you were to be found in drag, more specifically, more specifically, I imagine, for the men, they would literally slap you with, I think it was public indecency or, like, some kind of sexual like sex it was sexual deviance they would they would charge you with sexual deviance that really it it really burns my fucking grits man i know i got rage bumps again like how can you say it's illegal to love who you love or to dress how you want to dress well it was all political and religious based and just yeah so yeah even yeah existing as a gay (laughs) <laughs> any member of the the rainbow mafia oh that's ironic the alphabet mafia oh maybe that's why it's so fun anyway <laughs> wah, wah. my brain just went full circle <laughs> so anyway uh yeah so anyway but yeah so it opened them up to a shit ton of rates usually the crooked cops would t- tip off the mafia members so that they could close down or avoid the raids but, of course, the people of Stonewall weren't that lucky. So, in the early, early morning hours of June 28, 1969, the Stonewall uprising occurred. So, while the first two nights of rioting were the most intense, the clashes with police would result in a series of spontaneous demonstrations and marches through the gay neighborhoods of Greenwick Village uh, for roughly a week afterwards. And, of course, mind you, these motherfuckers set the shit on fire. Yeah. Most people say it was a cop that set it on fire probably that is i mean if you look at not to get too political i'm speaking of myself and only myself uh, the way that riots go nowadays mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm leaving it at that um so anyway where was i, I lost my place again because i went um off track so riots marches Okay, so johnson uh had been named along with zazu nova and jackie Ramona, by a number of the Stonewall veterans interviewed by uh, David Carter in his book Stonewall, the Riots that Sparked the Gay Revolution, which I want to read, uh, as being, quote, three individuals known to have to have been in the va- vanguard 
of the pushback against the police in, at the uprising. Uh, Marsha denied having anything to do with starting the uprising. Because uh, obviously the cops started it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, in 87, uh, she recalled arriving, ar- quote, around 2 o'clock that morning and that the riots had already started. But by that time, the, uh, what, the Stonewall building was, um, was already on fire. After police set it on fire. That's what she claims. Um, and then, quote, when I got downtown, the the place was already on fire. Sylvia Rivera and them were all were over in the park having a cocktail. And we were in the streets turning over cars and blocking traffic and screaming and hollering and everything. That's another Marsh quote, in case you couldn't figure it out by the language. Dude, I'm upset that I was not able to know her. Right? Same. Um... The riots reportedly started around 1.20 that morning after Storm Delavery? Delavery? Where's this at? Storm Delavery. Delavery? Delavery? I would just go with... Drag queen. Storm. Uh, Fought back against the police uh, uh, who attempted to arrest her that night. Uh, and that's another one of the big things too because like they were taking women into restrooms with female cops and basically asking them to expose themselves to prove that they were women what the fuck oh my and that was a commonplace thing to happen they would make people you know reveal themselves so they could make sure they were the gender that they were i hate it um this is the fucker we, we should be mad at, not accidentally like uh, slipping on shit, some like words every once in a while. But um, anyway, don't come after me for that. <laughs> so, anywho, um, uh, there's another. Uh, sorry, I keep stumbling. I haven't recorded in a while. Can y'all tell? Uh, Carter writes that uh, Robin Souza had reported that fellow Stonewall veterans and gay activists such as Marty Manford and Marty Robinson had told Susan that, that on the first night, Johnson, quote, threw a shot glass at a mirror in, in the torch bar screaming, I got my civil rights. Oh, my God. Some it. people say the shot glass was thrown at a cop. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> um, Susan told the Gay Activists Alliance shortly afterwards that it, that it, quote, was the shot glass that was heard around the world. <laughs> Which is adorable. I love that. Uh, Carter, however, concluded that Robinson had given several different accounts of the night, and that none of and and in none of the accounts uh, were Mar- were Marsha's name brought up, possibly in fear that the publicity created credited the uprising to uprising to her, um, then her well known mental state. Uh, and gender nonconforming quote could have been used effects- effectively by the movement's opponents. So essentially, they didn't want her to have the credit because she was a drag queen and/or trans. Stupid. So the alleged shot glass incident has been heavily disputed. Uh, prior to Carter's book, it was claimed that she had quote thrown a brick at a police officer, uh, an account that was never verified. Johnson uh, Johnson also confirmed that. Uh, confirmed not being present at the Stonewall Inn while the while the rioting broke out, but instead had heard about it and and went to go get Sylvia Rivera, who was at the park. So she said she was never even there. So <laughs> there's a whole lot of like here's and there's, there's discrepancy about whether or not she was there, but she's definitely linked with it no matter what. Right. Uh, however, many corroborated that on the second night, 
she climbed up a lamppost and dropped a bag with a brick in it down on a police car shattering the windshield. I mean, to be watching that happen. <laughs> right. Too bad there wasn't a dash cam, just a drag queen squirreling up a telephone pole. I can't. <laughs> I'm laughing out of pride. Is that you, Richard? <laughs> So, anyway, following the, the Stonewall Uprising, uh, she joined the Gay Liberation Front. It was active in the GLF Drag Queen Caucus? Caucus? Caucus. That was words. Um, on the first anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion on June 28, 1970, she marched in the first gay pride rally, uh, then called the Christopher Street Liberation Day. Uh, and what's interesting about this as well is there were, even though the gay pride movement was really getting underfoot, a lot of people did not want to associate themselves with trans people back in the day. Well, of course not. Not back then. No, because there was huge, I mean, if you, if gay people were being discriminated against, trans people were, you know, tenfold. Right. So and that was a big problem. And the funny thing about this is Marsha and Sylvia Rivera who is another champion who is unfortunately no longer with us. I think she died in 2002 um, of AIDS, actually. Oh, uh, she and Silver Rivera decided to say, fuck this, because they told the drag queens and <coughs> trans people that if they were going to march with them, they were going to have to march in the back of the line. These badass bitches got up in front of the march. Yes. Front and center. Yes. <clears throat> and actually, Sylvia Rivera is... I didn't touch on her as much as I could have because it's about Marsha today. But uh, another fucking icon. And there's a lot of her in um, the Marsha documentary that I was talking about. Um, there was a parade uh, or a march that she went to begging, literally begging tears on the stage for people to care about what she was doing with Starhouse and helping the trans brothers and sisters of the community and the rest of the community literally booed her off the stage that's such a, that's disgusting that that's I terrible got re-chills which although i will say luckily eventually as times changed uh things got better for her and she eventually basically had a similar speech but was it was received positively and everyone supported her and good you know things did change and she got to see the change good so but i don't want to end with that taste in your mouth either um anyway so shortly after that first march um marcia and sylvia co-founded uh the star house or it's which i don't remember if i said it earlier but it's uh, Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries oh. Organization. Uh, I, why don't I have that twice? Anyway. Um, so basically, what had happened there is they kind of made the first, like, halfway house for trans kids. So essentially, I mean, Marsha was known as the queen mother. And oh she was God. the first, like, drag mother, really. Like, technically. And of course, all the kids were her children. That was the way that that was the relationship that they had. And actually, Sylvia said that Marsha was somewhat of a mother to her as well, and that she actually saved her life. Oh my God! So the I know. So anyway, um, the two of them became a visible presence at um, gay liberation marches and other radical <coughs> uh, political actions. In 1973, Johnson and Rivera were 
banned from oh that's where I, what i was saying i keep getting ahead of myself because i'm excited uh we're banned from participating in the gay pride parade um uh by the gay and lesbian committee who were administrating administering the the event saying that they quote weren't gonna allow drag queens at their marches because they were quote giving them a bad name what the fuck uh the response was uh the the response was to march direct defiantly ahead of the parade <laughs> during a gay rights rally at um new york city hall in the early 70s photographed by diana davies a reporter asked uh marcia why the group was demonstrating and johnson famously this is one of her more famous things was uh screaming into the crowd darling i want my gay rights now i love um during another incident around this time johnson was confronted by police officers for hustling hustling in new in new york uh when the officers attempted to perform the arrest johnson hit them with a handbag which contained two bricks oh my gosh talk about keeping rocks in your purse right uh when when asked by the judge for an ouch explanation of the hustling or for the hustling johnson claimed to be trying to be trying to secure enough money for a tombstone uh, for her husband during during a time where same when same sex marriage was illegal in the United States, the judge asked uh, what happened to this alleged husband, and she responded, "Pig shot him." What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they weren't technically married, but like they couldn't be, so whatever. But like, I I, I assume that she had a lover get murdered by a cop. So, like, um, initially sentenced her to 90 days in prison for the assault. Her lawyer eventually convinced the judge the uh, to the Bellevue Hospital would be more suitable. Oh, okay. Convinced the judge, there was a missing word there, that it would be, it would be more suitable for her to be in the hospital. Uh, when Rivera, or when Sylvia Rivera, um, uh, or sorry, Wow, I can't read tonight. Sorry, y'all. Uh, with Rivera, that's what it said. Uh, she established the Star House. Um, I already explained that. And and basically, they paid the rent for it with money they made as sex workers. Uh, apparently, that was actually the house itself actually came from the mob. And oh. but they said basically they had an agreement that they would live in it for cheap, cheap, but renovate it. And that was the agreement that they had. Okay. Of course, it didn't. It only lasted for a few years. They couldn't afford the rent because they were literally just paying for it with sex work. Yeah. And eventually, I think they lost like they lost at least two of them. But eventually, you know, clearly they resurfaced. Yeah. Um. Uh, while the house was not focused on performance, uh, Marsha was a drag mother of Star House. And the long-standing tradition of the chosen family uh, in the Black and Latino LGBT community, uh, she worked to provide food, clothing, emotional support, and a sense of family to the young drag queens, uh, trans women, and gender nonconform gender nonconformists, and other gay street kids living on the Christopher Street docks or in the Lower East Side of New York. In the eighties, uh, she continued to play an active part in activism uh, uh, as a respected organizer and Marshall for ACT UP. In 92, uh, when George Seagal's Stonewall Memorial was moved to Christopher Street from Ohio to recognize the gay liberation movement, she commented, 
how many people, oh, sorry, quote, how many people have died for these two little statues to be put in the park to recognize gay people? How many years does it take for people to see that we're in, that we're all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race? I mean, how many years does it take for people to see that we're all in this rat race together? Oh, and if that don't give you chills, you don't have a fucking heart. God, dude. So, <clears throat> um, this is another i'm i'm skimming because a lot of this is kind of redundant uh that's okay so anyway by 66 uh she was on the street surviving by sex work uh in connection with sex work johnson also claimed to have been arrested over 100 times and was also shot once in the late 70s oh, wow. Jesus. uh she spoke of having a mental breakdown in 1970 according to bob kohler uh she would walk naked up christopher street and and be taken away for two or three months to be treated with hey it's your turn what read the medical word where is it core where'd i go where'd i go there we go oh uh chlorpromazine which is an antipsychotic medication Woohoo! It's one of the, I believe it's one of the top ones, isn't it? Yeah. I'm about to say, like, I can't say it. Abilify. Uh, upon returning, the medication would wear off over the course of one month and she would return to normal. Uh, between 1980 and her death in 1992, she lived with a friend, uh, Randy Wicker, who is a big part in this documentary. And he said, quote, I had a kid who lived with me who is like an adopted son, Roy. And one night, it was like five degrees outside. He said, can Marsha come and sleep on the living room floor? So Marsha came in that night and stayed for the next 12 years. Uh, though generally regarded as uh, generous and warm-hearted and saintly under the Marsha persona, uh, her angry, violent side could sometimes emerge when she was depressed or under severe stress. Some felt that it was more, uh, more common for this to happen under Johnson's, quote, male persona of Malcolm. During these moments, uh, her violent side emerged. According to an acquaintance, Robert Hyde, uh, Johnson could be aggressive and short-tempered and speak in a deeper voice. And as Malcolm would quote, become very, uh, very nasty, uh, a very nasty, vicious man looking for fights. This dual personality of, uh, has been described as quote, a schizophrenic personality at work. Uh, when this happened, she would often get into fights and wind up hospitalized and sedated and friends would have to organize and raise money to bail her out of jail or try to secure release from places like Bellevue. Uh, in 79, uh, in, in a 79 village voice article, uh, the drag of politics. Oh, again, uh, it was further elaborated upon and it had perhaps been this reason that other activists had been reluctant at first to credit her for helping the sparking, and gay liberation movement of the early 70s. So basically now we're like, oh, well, she's a drag queen and she's unstable. <laughs> I mean, same. Now, uh, <laughs> Watson also reported that Johnson's saintly personality was, quote, volatile and listed a roster of gay bars from which she had been banned. At the time of her death in 1992, she was said to be increasingly sick and fragile state, according to Randy Wicker. Um, shortly after the 92 Pride Parade, her body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is where it gets sad. One witness said that she was floating, quote, up and down, and that she, quote, had a hole in her head. Oh. I know, I keep, oh, this whole episode, I chills. 
uh, even though it makes the, my stuttering is not doing great for me today. But anyway, uh, police initially ruled the death a suicide, but her friends and other members of the local community insisted that she was not suicidal and noted the noted that the back of uh, Marcia's head had a massive wound. According to Sylvia Rivera, uh, their friend Bob Kohler believed that she had committed suicide doing, due to an ever-increasing fragile state, which uh, Sylvia disputed, saying that she and Marcia had, quote, made a pact to, quote, cross the River Jordan or the Hudson River together. Which fucked me up, though. Um, and also those, the, who were close to her or to Marsha consider the death suspicious. Many claim that while she did struggle mentally, uh, she did not, it, it, this did not manifest itself as suicidal. Randy Wicker later said that, uh, Marsha may have hallucinated and walked into the river or she may have jumped into the river to escape harassers, but stated that she was never suicidal. Uh, there were reports that she had been giving away personal items, which can, which you know, can be a warning sign mm-hmm. of suicide. But those closer say that that's just how she was. She was always walking around, handing out flowers, and they said that she was the type of person who, if you walked up to her and said, "I like your scarf," she said, "Here, baby, take it." Oh my and she'd god! And she'd put it around your neck. Oh my fucking oh. heart, dude! I know. Uh, s- uh, several people came forward to say that they had seen. Uh, Marsha harassed by groups of quote-unquote thugs who had also robbed people. Some sources say that Marsha described the suspicious group as the mafia. According to Wicker, a witness saw a neighborhood resident fighting with Marsha on July 4th, 1992. During the fight, uh, the, the person supposedly used a homophobic slur and later bragged to uh, someone at the bar that he'd killed a drag queen named Marsha. The witness said that when he tried to tell police what he had seen, his story was ignored. Because, of course, any drag queen or trans person, any LGBTQIA plus is less dead. And yeah. especially when there's a sex worker on top of it. Oh my god, yeah. So. No. Um, but, 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 but. The other locals stated later that law enforcement was uninterested in investigating her death, stating that uh, the case was about a, quote, gay black man and wanted nothing to do with it at the time. In a later interview with uh, Marcia's siblings, uh, Jean Michaels, uh, her sister, said, uh, quote, our, our sister asked to see the body and the police told her, no, they couldn't. They weren't allowed to do that. What? That's fucking way. Isn't that illegal? That's yes. what I said. Yeah, they said they weren't allowed to see the body at the time. Yeah, because they were fucking hiding something, piece of shit, motherfucker. So, and of course, here's the other kicker, too. She was cremated. Oh, of course. So there... Um, I think it's just because there was no money to bury. But that's my assumption. Just, I mean, that's not shade at the family or anything, but I just think that's probably what happened. Plus, there were seven of them, and I don't know if her well, parents were alive. And, or maybe, yeah, wanted. maybe. You yeah, never, I don't want to be buried. And then they had a funeral at a local church. Uh, friends released uh, her ashes over the river. Oh. Police allowed 7th Avenue to be closed uh, while her ashes were carried to the river. In December 2002, a police investigation resulted in a cl- reclassification 
of Marsh's cause of death from suicide to be undetermined. Former New York politician Tom Duane uh, fought to reopen the case because, quote, usually when then there, yeah, usually when there is a death by suicide, the person usually leaves a note. She didn't leave a note. Exactly. Um, in November 2012, activist Mariah Lopez succeeded in getting the New York Police Department to reopen the case as a possible homicide. Uh, in 2016, Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project also tried to get Johnson's case reopened and succeeded in getting access to previously unreleased documents and witness statements. So Victoria Cruz is the one that the documentary kind of follows. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it. You really will have to watch it. It's so good. Um, she's uh, sought out new interviews and witnesses, friends, other activists, and police uh, that's just kind of a description of the documentary, but oh, there we go. It's called um, "The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson," and yes, it's still on Netflix. And y'all get get to watching because it's actually really good. So um, the rest of this is coming straight from the documentary. But uh, Kitty Rotolo, uh, another queen who knew Marsha, reports in, in the documentary that um, she heard Marsha had plans to go to a club called the Anvil days before she was found dead. Uh, she reports that she'd seen, quote, a car full of guidos uh, uh, driving around the stroll, which is which was a known hotspot for drag queens. Um, and that the queens had been warned not to get in, uh, get into their car, but she'd seen Marsha get in anyway. Uh, that was the last time Kitty had seen Marsha. She said, quote, the police from 6th Precinct, uh, the police from the 6th Precinct brushed it off like, oh, well, another one bites the dust. It, yeah. Um, there were also reports of two men following Marsha down the street in the early morning the day before she was found dead. So there are multiple instances of dudes following her That's before just, she ugh. winds up dead. Uh, Randy Wicker, Marsha's roommate, had apparently been making waves of his own before Marsha disappeared. Wicker had been, quote-unquote, going after the qu- qu- God bless America, Christopher Street Pride Festival Committee. Uh, the committee had been rumored to have been controlled by the mob. And his goal was to, quote, take the festival back. Uh, and Like, from the mob and get it back into the community's hands. Um, Wicker was actively ca- campaigning with hefty and dangerous accusations, such as asking where all the money was going for the festivals and marches, implying that it was going to the mob. He stated that an event called uh, he staged an event called Take Back the Day. Uh, the people who ran the festival at the time were Ed Murphy, a man who had been a bouncer at the Stonewall, and his friend Rob Mahoney. Red Mahoney. If that's not a mobster name, I don't know what is. Right. What the fuck? Red Mahoney. Um. They worked for whatever part of the mafia ran the gay bars at the time. That's a quote from the documentary. Of course, publicly, the committee actively denied the accusations of the mob ties. Uh, Wicker stated that another group, Heritage of Pride, attempted to go after the committee a few years before he did. Quote, they told me, Randy, don't do this. We tried to do it and we were threatened. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. He says he was in deep denial surrounding the mob threats. Uh, I actually didn't write it in the notes, but there's another part of the documentary where um, Victoria Cruz actually dig- went in digging up old files, found an old message. I think it was from um, her organization that was somebody called in a threat to Randy's that said, if you don't butt out, what happened to Marsh is going to happen to you. Oh, oh shit. Wow. 
Yeah. So I, I yeah, it's unconfirmed and kind of like loosey goosey. Yeah. I mean, anybody could have written that and stuck it in there. He never got the message until like 2017. So I'm not really putting that as a fact fact. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, so this is the basically as good as we're going to get answer. Uh, when Victoria Cruz obtained the op- the autopsy report, which ended up only being a partial. Of course. Yeah, of course. It revealed that the death was originally classified as a drowning, but was noted a possible homicide. Uh, the report noted a lot of discoloration, but no evidence of trauma on, on the skull. So, basically, they brought the autopsy to Dr. Michael Baden for re-examination. He confirmed that the death itself was caused by drowning. So, whatever had happened, she died in that water. Yeah. Uh, he confirms that there was no evidence of a violent assault, and there was no visible injury to the body itself. He believed that the hole was, that was found in her head was the result of floating debris and occur, occurred post-mortem. And he explains that the gash appeared on the left side of her face was a normal was normal of decomposition and basically was slippage as the body decomposes, and it's going to do that faster in warm water, because she could have been there anywhere from one to three days. We're not entirely sure. Uh, as of today, this still remains a cold case. This is just one of many injustices in the trans community. Pride Month is for celebrating our new liberties and freedoms, but also for remembering people who fought for us and lost their lives so we can live in our newly more inclusive society. Marsha was an absolute icon, and the community is forever in her debt. It re- they really are. As three bisexual women sitting yep. here right now, like, we can be proud of ourselves and not afraid because we have people like Marsha. Exactly. Marsha, yeah, Marsha is... God, I can't even, yeah, I don't know. It's just something about her story. I know that they wasn't so true crimey and there's no evidence, no answers, possibly not even a murder, but I just felt that it was so important and, and she's an icon that weighs on my heart, you know? Absolutely. And if we're going to do pride, we might as well do our first pride right. Right. So, um, oh, that was another thing. This, I guess you can consider our fun fact if we really wanted to. But um, I was okay. Good. Uh, funnily enough, I was watching uh, Drag Race this week, and uh, I learned this from RuPaul. Uh, apparently, one of the triggers of the Stonewall riots was the fact that um, Judy Garland had just died. Really? Yeah. And, and that was a code it, to gay people. They would walk up to you and say, "Are you friends with Judy?" Really? And that was a code of, "Are you gay?" Yeah. That's crazy. How cool is that? That's really So, like, when people say my best Judy's, that's where that came from. Oh, like, okay, look. My, yeah, my one, Judy's. My favorite, my favorite fucking drama commentary YouTuber, Peter Mon, um, he calls his followers his good Judy's. Yeah, that's what it's And from. he's he's gay, and, uh, yeah, he calls them all his good Judy's. So now I know why he calls them good Judy's. Yeah, so it's from Judy Garland. Like, I knew it was from Judy Garland, but I was like, yeah, when I was like, huh, what do you know? I just found that interesting. All right. Would you like to? I mean, that was still an uplifting fact, but give us another one that's unrelated. Okay. I have like I screenshotted six, so I'm trying to find the best. Oh, we'll we'll do this one. Okay. So here's your fun fact of the day: the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, is the most expensive film ever made. What? I yes. Can see that. Really? Ever for... made? 
ever. For the one without like half the cast? Yeah. It was the most expensive film ever made. Well, I mean, I believe it. There are <laughs> they are really fancy. I know, but I was less like Really? Of all movies. You know, I was going to think like maybe like Avatar. Yeah. Like not, uh, like you know, because I mean, of I'm all sure the CGI, it's up there. you know, I thought that would be it, but no. My brain wanted to put Titanic up there. Like, we'll see Titanic. Anything. James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. James Cameron. James Cameron does what James Cameron does because True James Cameron is James Cameron. Yeah. You're not wrong. So. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's our spiel. Hopefully, you don't hate me too much for butchering um, the summary of this fucking icon. But um, yeah. So anyway. We got that TikTok now. Go follow that. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and I'm forgetting something. Email. Uh, all Freaky Geeky Podcast. And that email is podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Happy Pride, y'all. Um, stay freaky. Stay freaky, y'all. Stay freaky. Bye. We need outro music. No, I was being Alaska. Da, 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 Bye. Da, da, da. <laughs> God damn it.